everyone. Welcome to the Tulsa World Opinion video podcast, also known as the Jenny and Bob Show. So I'm Jenny Graham, the Tulsa World Editorial's editor. Bob said, editorial writer and columnist. So we're just going to talk about things that are on our mind from the past week. And one of the, the editorials we, we wrote that I thought was, it kind of, you know, makes me think is the, the number of candidates that are just automatically elected now. They are unopposed, they're uncontested. A couple of them are for open seats. And when we spoke about it as an editorial board, it's, it's not a new problem. It, you know, you, we've, we went back to what was it, 2016, 2018, and it's a growing problem. So it's just, it, you know, democracy works best when we have choices. And when you don't have a choice, it just, it, it, it the debate falls flat. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of looked into it too, Bob. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what stuck out for you on that particular issue? Well, I think um, <clears throat> some of the things that popped up into it is, or the questions that I had about it was, why is this happening? And I think there's like a, there's a few little factors that are popping in there. Um, one of them is cost. These legislative seats that used to be able to run campaigns for thirty dollars to $40,000, which is not a small piece of money for somebody who's just kind of trying to pop up out of the general public and run for office. But all of these legislative seats, they're six figures easy, and it's getting more expensive all the time. And that's a that's a big ask for for anybody to try to raise that much money just to have a chance to run for office. But also, I think if you look at uh, the way campaigns are, how negative, how personal, how intrusive they can be, um, I think that scares away a lot of people. And the way our legislative districts are drawn up. Um, they are drawn up in a way that favors certain party. Um, that's nothing new. It was that way when the Democrats were in control. It is that way now with the Republicans in control. But it tends to ice out any kind of other competition when everybody is thinking the same way. Yeah, there are other things that I've always thought were challenges as well, that it requires you to be, especially on the legislative side, uh, in Oklahoma City. So if you have a job that you can't, you know, you don't have that flexibility, you're not going to do that, uh, you know, that kind of travel to, to stay overnight. You miss out the, the people who have done it with family say you miss out on a lot. So you tend yeah. to have retired people or people at the other end, they're, they're young and haven't started families yet. So, and I've always kind of thought, why do they have to be there? You know, maybe we should, you know... I don't know if yeah. virtual, I mean, no one likes virtual, but, but th- th- I think that is, that is one, another area that keeps people away. Yeah. So, but, but it is, I, I do think that a way to maybe help grow that is to be more purposeful at the local levels and the county levels when we're appointing boards and commissions, because often we see these leaders and, and we're not use, using them right. We're not sort of promoting them, promoting public service enough. So I think if we're more purposeful about getting more people who weren't previously involved in public service involved in that, then that that actually I think will help play a role, not just in getting more people to run for office or consider that, but a more diverse group of people too. So, um, but it is it was a little disappointing to see that. Although, although our, um, what was like, we have 17 people running for uh the district two Mark Wayne Mullen seat. So one Democrat, one independent, and like 15 
Republicans. And then I think for the Senate seat, we also have oh, yeah. a ton of people. Um, and Scott Pruitt showed showed back up. Whatever happens he to did. Scott Pruitt, wants to be a senator. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't forget his mess. But anyway, no. that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, oh, so I wrote what I thought was kind of a fun column earlier this week, which is it came out of the hearing. I was I, I got obsessed with the story. Sean Roberts. A bit. Sean Roberts wants to be labor commissioner and he filed his name again is Sean Roberts. Just, just to repeat that. Um, but he filed a, under the name, Sean, the Patriot Roberts. And then uh, the opponent said, you can't make up a name. Basically he's trying to insert a campaign brand into, into the, uh, the ballot. And they, it was a full blown hearing. He had witnesses uh, one of them is Pastor Jackson Lanemeyer, who is running for uh, uh, for against Langford, Senator Langford, to say, yes, we know him as a patriot. And he read into the record a plaque and a card that the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association sent him that said, you're a true patriot, as proof that he is the patriot, like his name is The Rock or something. I mean, it's just, and I just thought that the whole thing was absurd. And that they found that, no, you cannot just make up a name. You have to use your real name, but we'll leave you on the ballot. But I just started thinking, what would be my name? What if I could make up a name? And so I just came up with the cheeky uh, Jenny Super Duper Graham. So that's going to be my run for office, which will never happen. Uh, that's going to be it because I feel super duper. People think I'm super. Du- and so I don't know. I just kind of had fun with it and and thought, okay, well, what if people can use like they're a Harry Potter house? So you could be Bob Hufflepuff Doucette, and then you could have your whole video campaign around being in Hufflepuff or whatever it is. So yeah, I've got, what I've got a better one than that. So here's where I derive this from, because I've, I've thought about this. Seriously, I've thought about this. <laughs> uh, I went to a doctor's office a while back, and they kind of screwed up the when they were entering all the data and stuff like that. They screwed up my name. So instead Bob? Of, how do you screw yes, up Bob? They just did. Okay. They had Roberto. <laughs> so I was thinking, just call me Roberto Peligroso. <laughs> you, are you up on your Spanish? No. But I'd vote Bobby, for that. Bobby yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> Bobby Dangerous. Yeah, Bobby like Dangerous. Those, like, those, but it's like those social media quizzes where it's like the name of your childhood pet is now, you know, your Hollywood name or whatever it is. I just thought, what what if our campaigns were like that? What if everyone could come up with a name? It would be like the WWE for every election, like Tommy Tuff Johnson versus Wanda Dependable Smith. And then their videos would show them acting out their whatever adjective. You know, if you're tough, you're going to be in a F-150 driving over hills or whatever it is, which by the way, that's a whole other thing, by the way, the campaign ads that are going to be coming out, going to be a lot of people shooting guns, a lot of people running. I mean, see, you're already made for that because you're already like a hiker or outdoorsy guy. That's made for campaign ads because people like apparently tough fit people in office. I, I, you know, you could be out there on a shotgun. Let's go. Let's roll. I would have a worse campaign ads. It would be me doing laundry, like doing dishes. It'd be like me in the carpool lane. It would be the, the worst 
campaign at if, you, if, if we actually to know it, what we did you have to own it i mean when you're doing those things like you're in the lane and you're getting ready to like open the door your car door to do something you need to have like your hair blown out and some really cool shades on and just really get after it but i could see this roberto peligroso thing with like like an eagle in one hand and my 12 gauge in the other just like rolling down the trail that's both yeah. right there for Congress. Well, and that's the whole thing about these, dangerous. you know, it, I don't, I can't get in the minds of voters. I, I, when people always ask me who's going to win a campaign, I'm like, who knows? Cause I don't know how, I don't understand how people vote, but I'm yeah. always wondering like, does that really convince you that that person does that? Like, do you really think these people get into boxing rings and box for fun? Now, Mark Wimwillen probably does because that guy is like legit tough. But yeah, he, he'd uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's actually like okay, yeah, he probably does. But uh, yeah, but for the most part, like if we were to really film ourselves doing what we do, it would be super boring. And really, the jobs are super boring. Like the job of a legislator, you don't really need to like hike Turkey Mountain to be able to write a law. I mean, it's like when you really think about it. But names matter, so. So thank you should campaign name. Yeah. So anyway. oh, I've got it. I've got mine. I'm done. <laughs> so, you know, Way the next thing that, that has <laughs> the next thing that's sort of come up is is McGirt. McGirt is we had hearings, a hearing. And you know, and I know that the governor and, and he spoke to the editorial board last week about McGirt, and he feels very strongly um, that this is the wrong ruling and that has you know, detrimental effects to Oklahoma, which um, people can, and I've, you know, we, we in our newsroom have argued both ways. I mean, it's, but a lot of the problems right now, they're sort of the, these hearings are, are getting at the edges of it. I don't think the Supreme Court's going to reverse McGirt. It, it's already said it's not. I mean, it was just ruled on two years ago with, you know, essentially the same panel. So this particular hearing would, um, and I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, would allow the state to prosecute non-tribal members if they are the perpetrators with a tribal citizen victim. Yes. And so they're, the Supreme Court's going to determine whether that is allowed. But that doesn't reverse McGirt. It just sort of, I would say, gnaws at the edge. So what I got out of the, the governor's meeting and, and he's, you know, he, he is, his role is to defend the sovereignty of Oklahoma. I understand that position. And his concern is how this is going to be expanded into other areas. Mineral rights, uh, taxation issues, those kind of things. And so the, the court has not gone there yet. The court has been very clear this is a criminal matter. And he said, if this stayed within the realm of the criminal justice system, that's, that's, solvable that's doable he could live with that so um but i'm not sure what, what to think about this concern about expansion i guess i i'm i'm not yet because i don't i know people would like to see that but i haven't seen the courts leaning that way so yeah i mean you know there are people who are much more uh, uh up on tribal law than i am so but what's your take on this? I mean, the, the governor is really pressing this on the national issue as, as a na on national platforms. 
trying to uh, put myself in his shoes a little bit here and understand what the potential ramifications of McGirt would be if it does go into the civil side. You know, if if the uh, the tribal areas are in fact still reservations, what that means. Um, you know, he said that, you know, hey, if that's the case, let me know now. I'm not the governor of Eastern Oklahoma anymore. And I've seen a lot of people on social media say, yeah, that's right. Not our governor in Eastern Oklahoma anymore. So <clears throat> there's a few things that stuck out that to me with that is when you look at a lot of tribal reservations across the country, where are they? They're mostly in very rural, fairly unpopulated, um, underdeveloped areas. Uh, you know, we're talking maybe populations in the thousands or tens of thousands. Um, in the Creek Nation alone, there might be a million people. And you're talking about a city with, you know, being divided basically between two tribes that are included in the McGirt decision. And if this were to play out in such a way that, you know, the governor is afraid of, that gets pretty interesting. You know, are the tribes kind of thinking about what that might look like? Should they uh, have that kind of greater control? What kind of responsibilities does that place on them that they don't do, all, do, all, do already? Um, it's gonna get interesting for sure, because if it did play out that way, um, my hope is that you're starting to see some discussions within the tribes about how they're going to do it. You know, who gets taxed by who, right. you know, it's what do you do with all these non-tribal citizens that live in your reservation now? Um, what are their rights compared to tribal members? That's some interesting questions that are, that's very forward looking right now. And very, what if it's not on the table right now, just because we know it right now, it's just criminal, but it did get my wheels turning a little bit. Yeah. And, and I do believe strongly that the tribes have some sovereignty. I mean, we have a history of broken treaties and, and that's, I'm mindful of that. So, yes, you know, moving forward and, and that's where I, I guess I'm a little frustrated and I wish there were ways using compacting to bring these parties together to yeah. say, look, because as long as this is in the criminal justice realm, if courts are deciding this, then the public, we have really no say. We have no influence on that. So it's not like there's a compact to consider, legislation to consider. Uh, I mean, it, we just have to live with what judges say. And so in, in that way, it's frustrating. But there are, you know, in every single one of those court decisions, it basically says, if you don't like this decision, take it to Congress. And yeah. Congress isn't biting on it because there's, you know, politics there and tribes all over the nation are fearful that their sovereignty would be attacked. I get that. They, their sovereignty shouldn't be attacked. But Oklahoma, we're so unusual in that we have sovereign nations within our sovereign state mm -hmm. that compacting works so well for so long that that just seems to be off the table. And that seems to be the only tool that I know of that would be effective here. So... I don't know where it goes from here. I think we're, you know, we're back to just waiting for the Supreme Court to rule and we will have to live with what happens in that. And in that way, I do feel frustrated that yeah. we can't bring, that those can't come together. So we have to have, the, the thing that I think that needs to happen right now is 
the governor's office and the tribes absolutely need a reset. Yeah, somehow. I mean, they got off on the wrong foot from the get-go, it seems like, and we've never been able to go back. And that's how we solve a lot of these things, I think, if or at least have some really productive conversations on how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, what other what other editorials came up this this week that kind of got your attention? Anything? Oh we got a few coming up that are kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Um, we have one on the, the juvenile bureau that I'm working on. The Tulsa County uh-huh. uh, is asking for $5 million to build a wing for juvenile offenders. And I was kind of surprised by this, honestly, because I thought that was already happening. But they built this $39 million facility, opened it three years ago. They did not, they, we've never held juvenile offenders. And those are typically older teenagers who could be charged with adult felonies and they were held in the jail but i looked it up congress in 2018 passed juvenile reforms that said that couldn't happen and the state just now you know kind of codified it so now we have to move those offenders over to our juvenile our juvenile facility which there there were no detention areas so i'm a little disappointed that there's the lack of foresight that no one saw even before 2018 the trends were we keep juveniles and and adults separate so again now we're at the spot where uh you know we need to to build this swing but the state officials have been talking about how much money we have and how we have all this revenue so you know oja the oklahoma or the office of juvenile affairs needs to get that money to help out tulsa to hold juvenile offenders but also, this isn't just a Tulsa area need. Oklahoma City is going to deal with it. And, and also, Tulsa is taking in juvenile offenders from all over northeastern Oklahoma. So I think OJA needs to sit down and figure out what does this really look like. So, so that's, you know, coming up at least. So. Um, so anyway, talk a little bit. You have your uh, column this weekend. You take on mm-hmm. Elon Musk. Yeah. So he's trying to buy Twitter. Um, he's in the process of buying Twitter for $44 billion, which is mind-blowing to me uh, that any social media company is worth that much money and that anyone could just pony up the dough to do it. Um, without giving up too much, <clears throat> um, there's been this thing going on as Elon Musk buys Twitter, I'm out of here because he's this free speech absolutist and people are worried about what that means in terms of content moderation. Um, so I dive into that with my own concern that kind of dates back to some columns I wrote back in the fall. Um, and they are very real and I hope that this is, this is stuff that he is considering is uh, definitely something that all of our social media platforms have to be vigilant about but there's a lot of things I didn't put in this column because of space and it's just kind of strange to me do you know what his worth is Uh, what is it now a quarter of a trillion dollars I'm telling you the entire everything in the world is going to be owned by like 10 people at some point it's just so the top 10 people is going to own it all $250 250 or $60 billion net worth. 
And I think when you get to that stage, I mean, you really have that screw you money coming out your ears that you can just do it anything you want. And I think you kind of, you feel powerful with that. And when you look at him, I mean, he's built several successful businesses. Obviously Tesla is a, is a, massive success and SpaceX is enjoying some success. Uh, the Ukrainians have said that the Starlink uh, setup that he provided for them has been a difference maker in their war in Russia. But then you have him launching a car with a mannequin astronaut into space and, you know, and people, he's got like a following. He's got some tech bro fanboy legions that are massive that will defend him at any cost and everything like that. And, you know, you have all these people telling you how great you are and everything, and you probably feel a little invincible that, you know, I can just do what I want and impose what I believe, how I want. And who's, who's to tell him any different? I mean, look at the links that we went through here in Tulsa to try to attract the Tesla factory. I mean, we repainted the Tulsa driller to look like him. Which was an abomination. That should We should never mess with the driller. It was so weird. But, you know, that's what we do. That's what we do. I mean, we'll, I we'll, we'll whine and cry about how all these rich oligarchical type of American billionaires are running the show. But, my goodness, we'll do everything we can to get in your good graces, Mr. Musk. Um, and And now we're here and it's it's been interesting to see the reaction to him buying Twitter. And, you know, some people are really excited about it. People are like, Hey, I'll get the Babylon B back, or maybe Donald Trump will come back. And then the other side is saying, yeah, if it goes back to the battle days, I'm out and all that stuff. So. Twitter is, I think one of the more mean social media platforms. I mean, sharp elbows. it was yes. where disinformation sort of live, but it's just snarky. I just, you know, I'm on it just as, you know, kind of have to be, you know, to keep up with stuff, but it is not, you know, my kids make fun of me, you know, I'm, you know, they're on to cooler things. I think, I don't even think they use Twitter. Honestly, they, they're on, they use Insta a lot, that kind of thing. So TikTok. Yeah. yeah. So, and who knows? I mean, Snapchat's still a thing, which I'm not, yeah. I'm not into that. Snapchat so. still there. So, you know, they asked me like why are you still on facebook that's so old and i go because that's where my people are so mm -hmm. but there are real issues about you know disinformation and, and and that kind of thing and bullying you know the doxing kind of stuff so Hate speech. Uh, he, he may be a billionaire and he may be brilliant but he has not worked in the realm of the first amendment and what that really means and and i find I, i've been kind of struck by how many americans don't really understand what that means that yeah. that that was meant to be for government government can't restrict speech but if you are a private company you know it, you know i don't print we don't print all the letters that come across our our desk for various reasons because we're not under any obligation to so that's kind of right. how that works but um but then my uh my column this week we had last week it was an interesting conversation we had common bonds oklahoma and the Oklahoma Animal Alliance came in, and then a uh, person from Best Friends Society who's embedded at the Tulsa Animal Welfare. So they just start talking about animal welfare issues. And yes, I quote Immanuel Kant and John Stuart Mill, because why not? You know, uh, 
<laughs> old philosophers that people got bored with in college. So, but it's just all about, it, it, when we talk about animal welfare, sometimes it doesn't pop as a priority because we have homelessness and child abuse and mental health, all these other ills. But I think there's a real argument to be made that how we treat our abused, neglected and abandoned animals is a reflection on us. Mm. It's also a public health or a public safety issue. No one wants roving, vicious animals. So they kind of spoke about where Oklahoma sits nationally and specifically yeah. euthanizing dogs and cats uh, and trying to get to the bottom of that. And it, Interesting. I did not realize that we had a shortage of veterinarians in the state. We're Oklahoma. Mm. We have a veterinary school at OSU. Yeah. And apparently rural areas are really hurting for veterinarians. So there were some things that, that came up in there that, that mm. I wrote about this weekend and sort of kind of talked a little bit about. And of course, who doesn't love pictures of little cats and kittens and puppies at the shelter? And I hope people go and adopt it. So, so anyway, um, the uh any last thoughts last thoughts um i don't i know people go out get exercise okay <laughs> we'll do that in addition to going out and getting exercise and enjoying the good weather well now that you've opened that door i just want to say that the new trail that they just built from the parking lot to the up the south face is probably one of the most beautiful trails in the entire tulsa area so it's, yeah it's ready see now it. there's I'm a they have a new section that just opened up that I was on Tuesday night and it is flat out gorgeous section of trail. So definitely worth seeing. And it's not far from the parking lot. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, give some love to your mom. Mother's Day is not far away. And uh, I think my mom is still stuff. on a cruise. How is it that <laughs> my, my mom decides, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. I'm going to get out of town. I mean, this is and that's such a typical, uh, you know, Maybe I should do the same thing. Oh, Mother's Day's coming best life. Skip out. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this one last thing, because a lot of people in Tulsa are going to be going. This is a somber note. But um, this weekend, I will be having a drink in the memory of Joe Worley. He was a longtime executive editor of Tulsa World who died last week. And uh, he, a lot of journalists, a lot of leaders knew him. And we're going to be remembering his life tomorrow, Greenwood Cultural Center. And uh, he was he was important. In Tulsa, in that he, um, his leadership focused, a, it started the, the careers of a lot of journalists, promoted a lot of us, but he also, I think, kind of put us in the right direction in caring. He cared a lot about vulnerable, about voices who weren't in the paper. He was, he held law enforcement accountable, but yet he was very pro-law enforcement. I mean, he showed through his leadership, you can be both. He was dedicated to open records and his legacy is going to really live on in Tulsa. And so we're all going to commemorate his life tomorrow and have a drink to him and, and, uh, and enjoy the nice weather because he was a marathon runner too. So, so I'm sure he would enjoy your, your, uh, your advice. And for a sign off, Patrick Prince, our, our uh, digital leader at the Tulsa World, has asked us all to mention that there is the All World Awards that we host every year. It's for the best of high school sports. It's going to be August 2nd. And a lot of these kids that, and the kids that win, and you go to all, I think it's allworldawards.com and vote, see who's nominated. Uh, so these kids will get scholarships. Some of, they'll all get, you know, awards. It's a really nice event. 
And I got on there because they have a section where you can vote on like best fans, which they include cheer teams and palm teams. And I have already lodged my complaint that they should be considered athletes because I promise you having a football player and a palm, the palm workouts are way harder. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that's going to be, you know, I just want to say cheer and Palmer are athletes, but you can also vote for them as well. And I just want to say everyone go there and, and let your school be known Let these high school kids get some uh, attention they deserve. So celebrate their hard work, man. Good it stuff. is, it is, it's hard work. So anyway, until next week, thank you everyone. See ya.